This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. <laughs> Always just listen. You need to listen. You don't need to go and dump what you have and think that it will work. But always you need to listen, you need to observe, and sometimes even to ask questions so that you may get them right as you are trying to just help them. This is a podcast about two things, helping those with urgent needs in front of us today and improving the road so others can walk it safely in the future. Welcome to The Better Samaritan, a podcast where we're learning how to do good better. I'm Kent Annan, co-director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, and I'm joined by my colleagues Jamie Aiton and Laura Finch to explore how we can more effectively love our neighbors from everyday acts of kindness to the most complex humanitarian challenges facing the church and society today. Now let's bring out our expert. Our guest today is Pastor Jean-Pierre Guetera. Uh, he's born in Burundi. Um, but raised in Rwanda, uh, Jean-Pierre was classified as a refugee starting from birth, and at age 19, he narrowly escaped the 1994 Rwandan genocide. For the next four years, he passed through refugee camps in Tanzania and Congo in search of a place to finish his education, finally landing in the Kakuma refugee camp in northwest Kenya, the world's largest refugee camp at the time. He finished his studies, earned official refugee status, and went on to become a leader in his church and in a parachurch organization. He also earned his ordination, degrees in missions and theology from Kisum Bible College and Global University and numerous certificates. Jean-Pierre and his family resettled to Minneapolis, Minnesota in September 2016. Jean-Pierre is currently earning an MA in leadership development from Bethel University, uh, he speaks frequently at nonprofits and events on intercultural communication and refugee issues. He also collaborated collaborated with us on a new resource, Spiritual First Aid for Refugees, that is available on spiritualfirstaidhub.com. Uh, welcome, Pastor Guterre. We're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you. So as we get started, uh, Pastor Guterre, what is Americans' biggest misconception about refugees? Uh, the first thing, uh, most of the time they think that refugees are there to be helped only, and they don't understand that they have some some potentials which they can be mm. developed and even become a blessing to to mm. them, even other people. Yes, yeah, so they so that they people reckon, kind of think of them as victims and and not as people with gifts and created in God's image. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, be, yeah, because you see, uh, you see, before the uh, most of them become refugees, they were doing some special things, and even mm-hmm. they they have uh, some different gifts. So the fact that they become refugees, it doesn't erase what God has put inside them, which are also useful wherever they can go. Mm, that's good. Yes, I know that even sometimes people, I've heard refugees say like they don't want their primary identity to be, I'm a refugee, because it's, their, their identity is as a mother or as a father, or like you said, having a profession. And so uh, that's that's a great 
uh, insight in how we think about refugees. Um, and could you tell us a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected your friends and your colleagues in Kakuma? So if we think of a, a really large refugee camp, um, the United States, with all its resources, has been struggling to get through COVID-19. How is that affecting your friends and colleagues uh, who, are, who are there still? Uh, mostly, uh, Kakuma refugee camp de- depends on uh, aid from outside in uh, other area, like uh, down, they call it uh, um, downside of Kenya. So due to the COVID-19, uh, everything was stopped. So the transportation, people could not go to Kakuma. And also uh, on the issue of going out for those refugees who are doing some like small businesses, they could not go there. So uh, there was struggle in terms of food, even uh, getting some basic uh, material, which can mm. help them maybe to uh, to deal with the issue. Another thing, it was like fear. In the camp, they were really uh, very fearful thinking. If the outside world, like United States, where they have all resources they need to deal with this, this, this issue, what is going to happen if in the refugee camp where people are staying together, they also, they are not able to get whatever is needed. So it was a traumatizing problem even up to now. And Pastor, one of the things that you mentioned just now was about how the way things were unfolding in the United States and the way people were talking about COVID-19 in the United States was having a direct impact on those in the refugee camp. I'm curious with the current political setting and kind of some of the political strife in the U.S. and the way sometimes some talk about refugees, curious how that experience may have impacted you or others. Uh, you know, some years back in the camp, especially all of us, we knew that United States is like standing as a country which can save and help people who are really vulnerable. But the recently, it is a challenge because even people in the camp, they are frustrated. There are those even who had, they had some like uh, cases in the process who are thinking that they will be admitted here in the U.S. And those cases now, they are already stopped. And even they no longer have hope, maybe something will change. So all those things and this sickness and the issue which are going on have added really problems to my friends who are there. Yeah. Hmm. And how about for you personally? How Now if we come to, to Minneapolis and you're being here, how has the pandemic affected you and your family? <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I, I got it. Even my <laughs> wife got it. And uh, so we were up uh, inside almost three weeks because, first of all, when my wife got it, then uh, after one week again, I got it because she works with the healthy care facility. And also because we are in a very small house, we don't have a basement, we don't have a, and so we are always together with my children. The first challenge is was how are we going to protect our children not to be infected as we are? So of course we tried to tell them not to come where we are and they were the ones who were taking care of us, like cooking and doing other things. But still it was really a problem. 
by the goodness, the church stand with us, especially on the side of uh, paying our rent and also bringing food uh, so that we may move on well. Yeah. And were there other ways that your church also helped to care for you and your family? Yeah, uh, what uh, mainly they keep on even calling on us every day trying to find out if we are improvement, we are improving, and even if we are getting any other problem, especially asking about our children if also they are infected by COVID-19. So that was was encouragement to us because we we knew that if anything happened, the church members are there to help us and they take us through of what we are going on. Psychologically, that was really very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to hear about the care of your church. Um, also, Pastor Gutierrez, so as I think about this, one of the things I was thinking about, I was talking with my wife about recently was that um, we lived in Haiti for a while and working in some other countries. You know, in those experiences, you know, sometimes we would make a, a meeting, you know, for in a week or two. And when we would do that, we would just know that the meeting might or might not happen because, you know, there might be political instability. There could be a, ra- a big rainstorm that in Haiti without paved roads, with dirt roads, you know, we, we couldn't go to. So all these different factors when we were in the countryside meant that life was lived with this contingency. You weren't sure what was going to happen or sickness could come. And so I was thinking, oh, for many of us in the U.S., we're experiencing a, a degree of this to the first time in our lifetimes on a large scale. For you being in a refugee camp and the experiences you had, is there anything that helps you or gives you extra insight as you had um, as you had the COVID-19, as you think about what we're going through as a country, is there any resilience or faith or insight that you you think your past experience that was so difficult helps you through the current moment? Uh, always as a believer, one, you needed to hear what the advice which you are, you are given. Uh, yes, we know we have faith, but also there are some natural things and guidelines which can help you to pass it through this secondary is the issue of prayer you needed to pray always and follow up on what is going on and again team up with the people whom you have the same faith and mostly you needed to base on the positive side of what is going on because most of the time what really demoralizes people and it brings a very hard situation is when they face on a negative effect mm. or the outcome of the issue without looking other side of a positive side and based on that. So you can do whatever you can to overcome the negative side, but mostly you need to focus on the positive side of the issue. And Pastor Gutierrez, I think that's such a, a wise response and I think really shows that example of what you're talking about, about how others can learn from refugees and the experiences and challenges they've had in the past. You know, one of the things that has stuck with me just for years was when a team from HDI had actually been there with you uh, at the Kakuma refugee camp. And I'll never forget one of my colleagues who'd been on that trip brought back this picture and it was of a small room and there was a chalkboard and you and others had been actually working on 
dividing out and rationing the supplies that you've been given, such as food and other things from the the government agencies to be able to give to the most vulnerable in your community. And to me, that was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in terms of the example of loving our neighbor. I'm curious, what do you think refugees can teach us here in the States about loving our neighbors during a time of COVID? (laughs) Uh, The issue always is sacrificial. And uh, you would never do anything because you think maybe you, you, you have. And some people, they think they have nothing to do. But uh, it's good always to find out with your neighbors. The communication is very important uh, to know what is going on, especially on your neighbors. Sometimes uh, you may find the people that have been doing something and they're out, then you don't see them. So you need to find out and see what is going on from them. And also the sometimes you need to consult them and you know what they are really they really need because sometimes they may fear to come out and even address the issue. But when you just go out and speak to them and you ask them and they see that willingness in the heart of interacting and the heart of help, many of them, they come out and they're able to communicate and get help from from you. Yeah. That's beautiful, Pastor Turn. I, I hear that sacrificial generosity that Jamie, I've always loved hearing from Jamie about that experience and what you all did. And then um, that it's important to listen deeply and also that it's important to be persistent. You know, if they, if people don't show up, they, you, you go and if they aren't coming, that doesn't mean your care for them is over. It means, you know, maybe you need to go and visit them and find out if something else has happened. Um, so Thinking about that and then also combining it with how you started our conversation, saying people don't recognize um, necessarily the gifts that people have uh, when, you know, in refugees, because they think of them as as victims, not not as people with gifts. And then thinking about what you just shared, what are other ways when you first arrived in the U.S., what did people do to help you well? Like, what were the keys when you, when you were receiving help? Because in this podcast, we're we're talking about how do we keep getting um, better at doing good. So what were some things that you noticed were most helpful to you when you first arrived as a refugee? Uh, so first of all, uh, coming here in the, in the new country is like uh, you are trying to swim in the sea. You don't know east, west, north, south. <laughs> so try to find out how to survive. So uh, the most thing people did to me is that uh, they they were available for me to ask any question anytime that I have so that they may direct me. So uh, the good thing, uh, I had some few things on the paper which are really very important in the basic, like in the issue of uh, the financial issues, the financial system, the church issues, and the, also the issue of the children, and the other different key issues, even the issue of documents and the other. So uh, people, they were available, and I got people in those different fields who are able always to advise me what to do. Even if I get challenged somewhere, they were always there to tell me and even to go with me 
in order to be able to uh, to find what I need or to give me the advice which were needed for me. And sometimes they were offering their cars, transport, finance, everything which I need. Even sometimes they could go uh, concerning the issue maybe of school themselves. They could go with my children to do that. And always they were available for me. You know, I think that's such a beautiful um, analogy there talking about that your experience was like learning to swim in the sea there and to be able to hear some powerful ways that the church was able to come around you and your family and really help you to get to shore, so to speak. Curious if there's been things that you've noticed that sometimes churches try where they're trying to help, their hearts are in the right place, but they actually end up um, doing things that just aren't really that helpful. Are there any things you yeah, would tell uh, churches to avoid doing? Okay, I, I, I get you what you are saying. So uh, one of the things which offend a new person in the country, sometimes when you give him some things which he doesn't need. For example, uh, when people came here, people they have uh, in mind that People can get anything, just clothes, everything. They need the dishes, everything. Without even asking them, they just drop those stuff in the apartment or where they are. They, Of course, they cannot deny, deny those stuff because they are new. But sometimes even they don't need them and they don't have even where to put them. And they, that become offensive to them instead of becoming a help. So the key issue here is always consult so that you may get the, the right thing to give somebody so that that may become a blessing to him instead of becoming offensive. The fact that you don't have what to do with something, it doesn't mean the refugee or a person in need, he needed that stuff. Oh, I, I love hearing that, uh, Pastor Kateri. This, this is so much help for how, you know, we shouldn't assume we know how to help people, but we want to listen and listen each step along the way. Um, we're going to transition into, we call them our five uh, big uh, Better Samaritan questions. And so these are kind of quick questions to respond to. Uh, they're, they're big questions, but just with a short response of what comes to your mind. And um, we love listening to you. And I'll, I'll, I'll alternate back and forth with Jamie asking these. But we love listening to you, and I think as you give us advice on serving refugees, I, and I think it's amazing that you also serve with the International Association for Refugees as a refugee church consultant and serve on the board of directors for Arrive Ministries. That uh, I love that you bring this insight to helping other people, help, helping lots of people to serve refugees and get better at doing good. Um, so here are the five uh, quick questions we wanted to, to conclude with here. So what is something that has surprised you in your work of helping other refugees? Uh, the surprise is uh, most of the time always you find them also they have already the agenda of what they wanted to do. Even if you were trying to go and help them, always they have the agenda. So you need to go behind sometimes what they have. Yeah. That's really helpful. And curious, how have you been learning to do good better as you continue to serve refugees? <laughs> Always just listen. 
you need it to listen, you don't need it to go and dump what you have and think that it will work. But always you need it to listen, you need it to observe, and sometimes even to ask questions so that you may get them right as you are trying to just help them. I love how you've emphasized listening uh, throughout as we listen to you and learn from you. Uh, third question, as you've talked about the importance of listening, another quality that we think about often in this work is humility. So how do you define humility in the context of doing work in this field of helping refugees? Humility, to me, humility is a, is a dignity. Dignity means the value, you value what the person whom you are trying to help is bringing in, in what you are trying to do. And also, you yourself, you, you become humble to learn from them. That is very important because as, uh, as you value them and also willing to learn from them without thinking that what you have is very important, there is nothing you can learn from them, that gives them uh, confidence even to be open to them for you to get the better information also to help them much better. Such great insights, Pastor. And, you know, one of the things that really inspired our podcast here has been the story of the Good Samaritan about seeing this example of someone helping their neighbor, but also at the same time of where we think a lot and draw from some of the writings and um, insights from Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who talks about how, well, if people keep getting hurt on the road, we also have to ask what can be done differently so that people don't continue to be mugged. So I'm curious, what's maybe one thing that we could do to make the road, so to speak, better, to make it safer for refugees in particular? Okay. Uh, the key issue always you needed to also advocate to them especially for the people who have misconception about the refugees. And at the same time also, it's very important also to, to be engaged and listen much more from them so that you, because these things always change with the time, you know, uh, with the time and even with the, the, the situation. You may get refugees in this area when you go to another area, you find they have different situation which need a different response. So that is why always inquiring and also maybe advocating for them for the new things which you have discovered is the key to be able to help them much more. Mm, that's that's excellent. Um, and then the last question, Pastor Terry, as you've um continued in this work and it can be discouraging you know when the country is letting in many fewer refugees to welcome uh, I think as you mentioned and then also seeing some of the fear or challenges and in Kakuma and other places during COVID-19 how do you sustain hope in the midst of this work that can be challenging how do you sustain hope uh, always the the reading the word of God prayer even uh, uh, fellowship with uh, God's people, those who have a positive attitude toward what is going on, uh, always that is the, the key. And also 
do your best to serve so that you may keep on growing. Because if you don't serve and use the gift which you have, you will start dying slowly, without knowing. So that will also strengthen your hope, because as you serve also, you see God manifesting himself in a, a new way, which you also keep on strengthening you, showing you that God is in control, and also he can do uh, just something different. And another thing also on that, we needed to know always that in every situation, there is a positive side on that. So you need to find out the positive side on that and you do well on that as you move forward. Yeah. Well, Pastor Gutierrez, thank you so much for your, your time here with us. Can you tell us a little bit about the, just to close, uh, any projects you have coming up or, or things that you're focused on as you continue to move forward in this work? So we, uh, there are three things which I, uh, I think, which was my plan even before COVID-19, especially the coming here to complete one. Uh, I've been desiring to write a book, which I think we are trying to work on, to put all these stories and the other things which can help people to be able maybe to serve refugee mm -hmm. uh, properly. And also, um, Next year, I think uh, uh, I am planning to application for the citizenship. Then uh, another issue, I think, is to complete my studies. Then after that, that is when maybe I will hit the Lord. Then it, I move forward in the ministry fully. So those are the three many things which uh, are in my mind at this time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor Gutera, once again, um, on behalf of Kent, myself, and our whole team here, we just want to say thank you so much for not only the work that you continue to do, but for all the ways that you've really devoted your life to helping others. And just so grateful for our, all the incredible insights that you've shared with us. So as you've listened to this uh, for you and for Jamie and I, um, I'm so grateful for Pastor Gutierrez. The three things I think I'm walking away with in my life, and and maybe you are in yours, uh, these and something else are, you know, that refugees are gifted, and we want to think about how gifted they are. They're victims of circumstances, uh, but gifted and created in God's image. And second is sacrificial love, how sacrificial love is necessary to serve well. And then finally, he, he, how Pastor Gutierrez kept telling us you know, how important listening is to helping other people. So we can keep listening and keep growing and listening uh, so we can grow in how to do good better. And so we're grateful to get to do that with you. Thanks for listening to the Better Samaritan podcast. You can find links to the things we mentioned during this episode in the show notes. And special thanks to The Brilliance for this fantastic music theme. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. You can also follow the Humanitarian Disaster Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week as we continue learning to do good better. <laughs>